If you've spent much time in Christian circles, you're probably familiar with this slogan, We are to be in the world, but not of the world. David Mathis once said that this is a phrase that suggests that we live with the unfortunate condition of being in this world, so we must remove ourselves from the world. But if we have been created to live a life worthy of the calling we've been assigned, Mathis argues that being not of the world isn't the destination, but the starting place. It's the very mission field we've been assigned to, And while we don't conform to the patterns of this world, we have been sent into it. Today on Bloom, we'll discuss how we don't merely live in the world to survive or exist, but have been called on mission to reach people for Christ. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for June 4th, 2021. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. If you are joining for the first time, Bloom launches a new podcast on the first Friday of each month. And sometimes, just for fun, there is even a bonus episode. If you love Bloom, be sure to click follow so you don't miss a podcast. And I would so love and appreciate if you would take two seconds to rate it, share it with a friend, or share it on your social media pages. This helps spread the seeds of good news so we can keep growing together. So last month we finished up a series called A Middle Eastern Lens for the Western World. This series was inspired by author Christy McClellan and how our Western Christianity needs to approach scripture within its Middle Eastern context. In other words, how we interpret and apply the word must be filtered through its Jewish background and culture that is represented in the Bible. This was all in preparation for our Men's and Women's Spring Conference called Encounter that we had back on May 22nd. If you are not able to join us in person or you just want to watch it again, the video is available on YouTube. You can find the link on our website. It's gracecma.org. Just to make it easy, type in Encounter in the search bar and it will direct you to both the men's and women's conferences. Now, once you select which conference you want to watch, click View Livestream here and then you can watch it on your own time. So today we're beginning a summer series called Living as an Effective Christian in a Modern World. Now the phrase modern world refers to the circumstances and ideas of the present age. So we're not talking about what our culture was like 5, 10, 15 years ago. We're talking in context of what's currently happening. If you tuned in to previous podcasts, you might have heard our family's journey praying through whether we were going to move into a slightly larger home or just stay put where we are. And after months of praying and deliberating, my husband and I felt we were being planted right where we are, which is fine with me because I happen to love small houses and it's less cleaning, let's be honest. But we also thought we could still have a little adventure of our own. So right now we are in the process of renovating our home and I've been binging HGTV at night, saving all my ideas on my Pinterest boards and virtually window shopping on Wayfair. And if you haven't heard, wallpaper is making a huge comeback, which is something I never thought I would be excited about, but here I am looking at where wallpaper could go in our house. It's always fun to see what's trending, what's what's considered modern. But the concept of modern has a wide and diverse range. It can be anything from home designs on Pinterest to our cultural customs and norms, even what cultural agendas 
are accepted and advertised. So for example, in as little as five years ago, maybe even less, you would not see a commercial ad that included same-sex couples. It was not something our culture had yet adopted. But modern circumstances proves that this is a new normalcy. A normalcy that is not only accepted, but advertised. With each passing news headline and social media story, our, our core values as, Christ, as Christians, as Christ followers, are seemingly becoming more backwards, antiquated, and narrow-minded within the framework of modern society. Within recent years, we've seen radical progressiveness towards liberal lifestyles. And I'm not speaking in terms of political liberalness. This is not about political parties, but more so a lifestyle where truth has become both fluid and subjective. We live in a culture that believes each person has the authority to divine their own truth. Now, as the world continues to progress towards these ideas, many churches and Christians have established a defense mechanism. And by defense mechanisms, it's not to say that we've become aggressive and we just attack those who oppose our views, but we've created barriers in order to distance ourselves, to separate ourselves from those who might think outside the box of our beliefs. So as Christians living in a modern world, how do we respond? Well, thankfully, Jesus gave us a perfect perspective on this very thing. On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus was praying these words we read recorded in John chapter 17. Jesus said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. We could unpack several key points here, but there is one in particular I really wanted to hone in on for today that Jesus is speaking in these verses. And I believe it helps give us an intentional perspective on how we are to live as effective Christians in a modern world. Many of you have heard and often believe the common phrase that we talked about in the beginning, that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And we get this phrase directly from this passage in John. But to say we are simply in the world has this passive tone that we are merely surviving, existing, or dealing with being in the world. It relays a message that we are just stuck here until Christ returns or calls us home. The problem is, over time, we become not only complacent with living life within our Christian circles and our Christian bubbles, but we've managed to wall out the world at the same time. Mathis challenged this commonly used phrase to be rewritten in a way that aligns a little more closely to the heart of Christ. Jesus does indeed tell us to not be of the world, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He made it clear that his disciples are called to a standard of truth that's founded on his word, not our own truth, not the world's version of the truth. And notice that God does tell us not to conform to the patterns of the world, but in not conforming to the patterns we've simultaneously ended up also alienating ourselves from people in the world. 
Now, because we have opposing viewpoints, we wall out people who think differently than we do, behave differently than we do, dress differently than we do, or people who live in different neighborhoods or have different customs. We push away anyone whose lifestyle is different than ours. Maybe we feel like their lifestyle poses a threat to us, so we spiritually shelter in place and disconnect ourselves from them. We don't just socially distance, we spiritually distance. Instead of being in the world, Mathis challenges us to truly take Jesus at his word. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We have been set apart, but set apart doesn't mean we completely separate ourselves from the world, but set apart because we are on mission for Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. In other words, we've been set apart. Now here's the mission. It says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have been sent as light into a dark world to show others Jesus. God sent Jesus from his heavenly throne to dwell among us. A perfect and holy God came down into our imperfect, broken world. He came to heal the sick, restore sight to the blind, and deliver the hopeful message of the gospel. Jesus also came to pay the price for our sins, to redeem us, to reconcile us back, and establish a new covenant between us and God. Jesus was sent into the world for this very purpose. He didn't come to merely exist, and he definitely didn't come to just survive. Jesus was sent on mission to rescue the world. The one who was there from the beginning and spoke the world into being had come for us. Jesus said over and over that he is not of this world, that his kingdom is not of this world. But that didn't stop him from coming, from pursuing his people, even the very ones who lived in opposition of him. Likewise, we are not of the world, but we have been sent into the world. There is a distinct difference between being in the world and being sent into the world. In one, we seemingly appear to exist where we are, but being sent has more intentionality. We aren't just existing, we're on mission. Friends, listen, the message of Christ can't be spread if we are too busy building walls around our Christian circles and shutting out the world. We're not here to put up defense mechanisms. We have a kingdom assignment to reach the lost by declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We can't be passive or defensive and expect to be effective for the mission. It won't be accomplished if we fail to intentionally go out into the world and reach people. So how do we tear down walls in order to reach people for Christ? I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Now, Ephesians 5 begins with a simple answer to this very question of how we can reach people for Christ. It says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. Loving and reaching people like Jesus is definitely no small task. I mean, he raised the bar pretty high, didn't he? We will never be able to love others in the perfect way that he does. But we can learn from his example. 
So I want us to chew on three ways that we can do this. Three examples that we get from Christ. Now the first way that we can reach people is by being approachable. People of all backgrounds and all walks of life felt comfortable coming to Christ. Anyone from a leper, a diseased outcast, to Nicodemus, a prominent Jewish leader, and then everyone in between approached Jesus with confidence because they knew Jesus didn't seclude himself to a certain group of people. As a matter of fact, his closest followers were a motley crew of sorts, people with different backgrounds, different professions, different lifestyles. Jesus wasn't this pious, arrogant Messiah. People didn't feel judged and condemned around Jesus. He was humble. He was gracious. He was approachable. The second way we reach people is through intentional pursuit. Jesus was approachable, but he was also intentional. He didn't just wait for people to come to him. He went to people. He met them right in the middle of their mess and extended his love and compassion. We read stories like the woman at the well where Jesus took the road less traveled and journeyed through Samaria, uncharted territory for Jews in those days, Also, he could have an encounter with a Samaritan woman while she was completing her ordinary mundane task of fetching water in the middle of the afternoon. Reaching others doesn't come without any risk. You might need to venture into the neighborhoods you otherwise wouldn't go to. You may have to get over your fear of what someone might think when you tell them about Jesus. You may have to invite someone into your world that has a different lifestyle, holds a different political view than you, or someone who is a little brash and rough around the edges where you're no longer sitting comfortably in your little bubble. Now, the third example that we have from Christ is to be bold. Jesus didn't shy away from preaching his message. He spoke the truth of the gospel in an unwavering, unapologetic posture. Even though his message was so countercultural, he did not back down. He was mission-minded, yet people-centered. He loved people too much to not share in the good news. And when the religious leaders would attack and accuse him, he spoke the truth without any apprehension or doubt. He knew what he was sent into the world to do, and he managed to do it with both a heart of humility and incredible boldness. And guess what? We have the same confidence in Christ. Acts 28.31 says, Proclaim the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. My kids have been a continuous reminder and encouragement to me of how to reach people for Jesus. About three years ago, an older Muslim couple moved just down the street from us They were very quiet and kept to themselves. They didn't make eye contact much in passing, and they didn't engage in the small talk conversation as we walked down the driveway at the same time to grab our mail. But last summer, their grandson, who we're just going to call O for now, came to stay with them for several weeks. And my son and another neighbor boy were riding bikes when their grandson walked outside on their driveway. And my son and his friend struck up conversation with him. They introduced themselves, and they eventually invited him to play with them. They invited this little Muslim boy, someone with a very different upbringing and background, into their little world of bike riding and Nerf gun battles. 
Something about them was approachable and welcoming to O. Now the following week, my son was out playing with his friend and O when suddenly the door flings open and my son rushes in the house frantically yelling, where's my Bible? Where's my Bible? I said, whoa, hey, calm down. What's going on? Why are you looking for your Bible? As he was rummaging through his room, he began telling me that O didn't know Jesus. Now, my kids have grown up within Christian circles. Our extended family are Christians. They've been in church since they were both six weeks old, and they go to a Christian school. But even though my kids clearly know that there are people in the world who don't know Jesus, they had not experienced meeting one in person before. So my son went right to his mission. He told me, Mom, I don't know how long O's staying with his grandparents. I don't know how much time I have. I need to tell him about Jesus. So I asked him what he planned on telling O, and he said, I just figured I'd start with John 3.16. And then he quickly ran out the door. He was boldly ready to tell O, a boy raised in a Muslim home, the message of the gospel. Several hours of Bible storytelling and outside play later, my son came inside right before dinner, and I asked him how everything went. He said he and his neighbor friend uh, were going to have a Bible study with their new friend, O, each week so they can tell him more about how God loves him. It was a perfect example of intentional pursuit. It was a proud mom moment for sure, but at the same time, it was also a convicting reminder. A reminder that we don't live to survive this life. We have been sent on mission. We are called to reach people the way Jesus did, to be approachable, to be intentional, and to be bold. This is obviously not an exhaustive list of ways to reach people like Christ, but it is a starting point. My son didn't have to compromise who he was or what he stood for so he could invite a Muslim boy into his world. He didn't have to conform to the patterns of the world in order to show him who Jesus is. And he didn't have to apologize in order to speak truth and shed light in the darkness. Breaking down walls doesn't mean we abandon our beliefs. It doesn't mean that we adopt the practices and customs of the world. It doesn't mean that we conform to the world. Instead, we're removing barriers and we're building bridges. We are not of the world, but we have been sent into it. We're living a life that is both set apart because we are on mission for Christ. So I want to take a moment to share some exciting news. This past week, a team of worship leaders from the CNMA including our own Pastor Jelani, came together to record their first album. It's called Alliance Worship, and you can listen to it and download it on Apple Music. And I will say, the songs really resonated with this podcast message, so I encourage you to check it out. I guarantee you will be blessed by it. I'm so thankful that you tuned in to Bloom today. I hope you will join me back on July 2nd for part two of this series, Living as an Effective Christian in a modern world. Keep growing and God bless.